All right. Well, good to have you all here. As you can see, we're, we've got a few folks out traveling, visiting family, so we want to keep them, uh, keep them in thoughts as they travel and uh, fellowship their families and that they'll, they'll bring here, they'll be here at the next time available. Uh, as you can see the challenges when we switch things up, uh, we can make it happen, but hey, it's, uh, you can certainly see who's missed when you got to do a lot of things on your own. Uh, today we're going to talk about, uh, we're going to talk about Jesus, right? We had Christmas, we had, uh, uh, the reason for the season. We talked a lot about the reason for Christmas last week. If you were here, you, you seen me go through a lot of stuff. We had a lot of fun with it. Um, but we're going to talk about some of the scriptures. So this morning in Sunday school, we had quite a bit back and forth on uh, on versions of the Bible, but not only just versions of the Bible, but the Word of God itself, and uh, and what some people may think about the Word of God itself, whether it's true or whether it's untrue. Uh, hopefully, we will have uh, enough scripture to back up uh, what my opinion of scripture is, and hopefully, it'll bring you to an understanding. One of the greatest realities of Scripture is the prophetic nature of the Bible. And what that means is it's really foretelling. And for people to understand um, some of the foretelling in the Word of God... Uh, it's difficult. Now, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say when I first started reading uh, the King James Bible, when I when I started going from cover to cover, there's some things that are challenging to read. There's some things that are challenging to understand. But the more that I read it, the more that I believed it, the more that I listened to it, the more that I could understand it. And I challenge anybody that says, "Well, man, the King James is just hard to read." Well, I, I challenge you to sit down and read it because God will speak to you through it. Uh, there is a predictions that are made in scriptures that have already come true. Now, why is that important? Because people that, that doubt that the Bible is true or that the Bible is God's holy, breathed, inspired word, the people that say, well, this was written by man, therefore there has to be mistakes in it. Well, I want to show you some things in the Bible that have come true that prove the truth of this book here, that it's not just a book, but it is God's inspired word. There are many things that are still waiting to come true. So we we hear about the the second coming of Christ, right? Uh, the second coming of Christ we've been talking about for two thousand years. My goodness, what's going to happen? Well, I'll tell you what. We talked about Jesus' birthday thousands of years before he was born, and I'll show you that in Scripture today. Uh, however, before he comes a second time, he had to have come the first time. And we'll back that up with scripture. This prediction, the prediction of Jesus' first coming was foretold all throughout the Old Testament. And you might be wondering, why does this matter? Why does it matter that Jesus came? Well, if you don't know that, we're going to have a lot of fun today. Well, if you are skeptical about things in the Bible, maybe you're skeptical about the reason for the season, or you're skeptical about salvation and the need for salvation, or what to do with it once you have salvation, or why do I even need salvation? You may ask yourselves, how can we know when a message has not been spoken? And I said, not spoken by the Lord, right? If a prophet claims in the name of the Lord it does not take place or come true, then that message is not of the Lord and has not been spoken by him. Or maybe you question biblical accuracy altogether. We're going to start out here in Deuteronomy. So if you go all the way back to around the fifth book of the Bible there, keep going all the way back. We're going to start out in uh, chapter number 18. <clears throat> And verse number 21. 
Deuteronomy 18, verse number 21 says, And if thou say in thine heart, how shall we know that the word which the Lord hath not spoken, when a prophet speaketh in the name of the Lord, if the, if the thing not, or follow not, nor come to pass, then is the thing which the Lord hath not spoken, but the prophet hath spoken in presumptuously, it presumptuously, that shall not be afraid of him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you uh, for the many blessings you've given us. We thank you for this reason, for this season, and certainly the, the birth of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for those that are here this morning, and we pray that you'll be with those that, uh, that are traveling, that couldn't be here, that are with family and friends, and for other reasons, and just pray that you'll bring them back, Lord. And I, I thank you for this church and the messy, many blessings that you've given us through this church. I thank you for us being in the community here that we may be uh, maybe a hope and an inspiration just to lead someone to you. After all, that's what it's all about. Lord, I thank you for this study and stepping on my toes and, and guiding us through this scripture. And I just pray that you'll, you'll, uh, you'll lay this message on all of our hearts and you'll step on some toes if it needs to be. And in all things, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Genesis chapter 3, if you'll go all the way back to the first book. <clears throat> Verse number 15 says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise thy heel. So from the beginning, uh, the beginning of creation, right after Adam and Eve uh, disobeyed God, and I think it's important to understand what Adam and Eve did here. They were given basically perfection. They were given uh, the, the keys to the kingdom, if they will. And they were told not to have this one thing. But the deceiver, the great deceiver, came and said... Thou shalt surely die. Thou shalt not die. God said you can have everything, but not of this forbidden fruit. You can't eat of the tree of knowledge or the tree of life. You can't have that, right? Otherwise, you're going to die. Well, the devil, being the great deceiver, who knows the word of God very well, he knows it better than you and I do, said, surely you will not die. Go ahead. Why God doesn't want you to have this is because you will be like little gods. So what do they do? They ate of the fruit. They ate of the fruit. And what happened? Sin was entered into the world. Why is this important? Because from the beginning, God said, and when we see here in verse number 15, I will put enmity between thee and woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and it shall bruise thy heel. This verse is speaking about the coming of Jesus. Jesus is coming, is what this verse is talking about. He gave this indication that a Savior would be coming from the seed of a woman, and God revealed right away that this seed would be the one that would crush the head of the serpent, the devil. The, now we know the serpent was called the devil, for out of this, uh, out of this uh, we know that mankind needed uh, something to correct its mistakes. Uh, 1 John chapter 3. Turn all the way back the other way from the third from the last. <clears throat> and we're going to tie this, this beginning together just a little bit. Uh, 1 John 3, in uh, verse number 8, says, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, 
This purpose, understand this, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that we might de- that he might destroy the works of the devil. So, question number one, this is actually question number one, two, and three, uh, but question number one is, why do we need Jesus? And as I always tell you, and as I like to do, is we are going to get our fingers warmed up. We are going to flip through a lot of scripture here, because I don't want it to be my opinion. This is not Brother Shane's opinion of the Word of God. This is the Word of God. Period. Let's turn over to Romans chapter 3. So we just read that uh, from the beginning, there is, there is sin. The devil sinned from the beginning, right? So as we turn over to Romans chapter 3, and verse number 23. Not only did the devil sin, but for all have sinned and come short of the glory of the God. See, this sin was introduced. Verse 24 says, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be this propitiation through faith in his blood to declare righteousness for the remissions of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. Now this propitiation, if you don't know what that means, this is our, our go-between, this is our lawyer, this is, this is our attorney, if you will, because judgment's coming. And for those that don't believe judgment is coming, well, I'm sorry, but judgment is coming, okay? Judgment is coming according to God's word. God says that you will be judged. This propitiation, this attorney, is Jesus Christ who acts as our behalf. So when we are in our wretched self, come to that day of judgment, we're either going to be represented by Jesus Christ by having accepting him, or he's going to say, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. This is Jesus' words. This is the word of God telling us this. This is not Shane's word telling you this. This is why it's under, it's, it's so critical that we understand what's written in this word of God. And these other versions that are ripped. Woo, here we're going to get me started. I told you not to do that. These other versions that come after this are exactly that. They come after this. They are, they are verses that are removed. They are verses that have been changed. Because why? Because the deceiver, the devil, surely you won't die. That's what he told Eve. That's what he tells us. That's what he tells those other people. It says it's not important to read God's word. God's word says, study to show thyself approved. Amen? He said, don't listen to Brother Shane. He said, read my word. That's what the Bible says. So we read his word to understand his word, to have that fellowship with him, because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All will be judged. And if you don't have that propitiation, if you don't have that judge, uh, that juror, that, uh, that attorney on our behalf, well, there's this verse for that also. Maybe today you say, well, I didn't sin. I'm a good person. And even through Scripture, uh, even though Scripture says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, you might say today, you know what? I'm a pretty good person. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I haven't committed adultery. I haven't committed murder. Um, I don't do some of these other things. I'm not like those, like those other ones. <laughs> right? Turn over to 1 John chapter 1. First John chapter one, verse number eight. I think I got the right one there. 
Oh, yeah, I got the right one. I'm just in the wrong place. All right, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess ourselves, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse number 10 says, If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. If we say that we're not sinners, we're telling God he's a liar. That sin comes at a cost. That sin was introduced in the world by man, and there's a penalty for that sin. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as one man's sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. We see that all have sinned, and that price for that sin is, is death. There's a penalty, and God requires payment for that penalty. Turn over to Romans We'll continue on with that. Romans chapter 5. I think it's just, it's critical that you understand why we read God's word here. You know, some of these other church, man, you guys are going to get me all fired up again. <clears throat> I try not to get fired up, but sometimes I can't help it. You know, uh, you probably heard me say this story once or twice or two or three or four or five times. When I, was, when I uh, got called to preach uh, many years ago, and I remember arguing with God, whoo, you got the wrong guy. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. I am not a preacher. I am not studied. I didn't go to school. I don't have a, a, a master's in divinity. You got the wrong guy. Well, I can say I won that argument because he made me do it anyway. <laughs> I won that argument because I lost the argument, if you get where I'm going. But I used to go and watch these TV evangelists, these TV preachers on TV, because I wanted to know what, what people preach about. I, you know, I had been to church, I'd been, I'd been listening to preachers, and I used to take notes. And, and, but I wanted to know what makes a good preacher. I mean, these guys are enthusiastic. They're, they're jumping and they're screaming and they're hooping and hollering. Not one of them that I watched on TV opened up the Word of God and read from the Word of God and told you what the Word of God said. Every one of them gave you an opinion. So I preach out of the Word of God so that you know what the Word of God says and not what Shane says. Amen? All right. We'll get back on topic here. Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12 <clears throat> says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, after the similitude of Adam's transgressions, who is the figure of him that was to come. But not as an offense, so as there as is the free gift, for if, though, if through the office of many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto him. As it not, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift, for the judgment was by one that, uh, sorry, was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. Why do we need Jesus? Question number one. 
I need him because of my sin. Not the world's sin, because of my sin. Not because of somebody else's sin, because of my sin. You see, we have to understand that we have chosen to sin. We are sinners. And there is a payment for that sin. So why do I need Jesus? I need Jesus because of my sin. Isaiah 7 and 14 says, Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Recently, we just celebrated Christmas. The world has different, many different reasons of why we celebrate Christmas as we went through last week uh, and what we talked about here. There are many different reasons, but the reason we celebrate Christmas is to celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for my sin. The scripture points to this manner in which he will be born. The scripture tells us that he is coming, that he will be born. Uh, And also to uh, one of the names that was given to Christ was Emmanuel, which is meaning God with us. So not just any baby was born. This was God in the flesh. God manifested himself, meaning uh, this Emmanuel, meaning God is with us. That he dwelled amongst us. That he walked amongst us. Amongst us. This was pointing to both this human birth and his divine nature. Let's turn back to Isaiah. <clears throat> And we'll be in chapter 7. We'll kind of bounce around to a couple different places here. But Isaiah chapter 7 and verse number 10 says, Moreover, the Lord spake again unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord, of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in depth or in height above. But Ahaz says, I will not Ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, it is a small thing for you to weary men, but will ye weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and call and shall call his name Emmanuel. Here we see this is uh this is foretelling the coming. This is foretelling that there is going to be a virgin birth. And his name will be Emmanuel. Turn over to Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 23 says, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and shall bring forth a son. Get this, bring forth a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then Isaiah 9 and 6, don't turn there, I'll just read it to you. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. So now that we have established... Uh, the creation of men, uh, sin that was entered into the world, the destructive nature of the devil, the, the lying and deceit from him. We understand that there is a need for a Savior, that there is a foretelling of the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see that all have sinned and that the wages for that sin is death. There's a penalty for it. There's a price to be paid. But what does that mean to me? Question number two, why do I need Jesus? Turn over to Romans chapter 6. 
Verse number 23. <clears throat> Romans 6 and 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Maybe today you think, well, all of us are going to die. So you talk about this death here in Romans uh, 6.23. said the wages of sin and death. But maybe you think that we're all going to die. Or maybe you think that a loving God is not going to send me there. It's not going to send me to, uh, to hell. Or maybe you are still not convinced that, uh, that you're bad enough that you deserve to go there. Or maybe you're still not convinced that the word of God is still true. It's false. It's some mad-made stories written by a man. Mistakes made by man or some fairy tale written by man. John 3.16, it's a verse that we all ought to know very well. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever should believeth in him. Well, I'll tell you what. Sometimes there's some things in here that uh, may be hard to understand. Right? But this one should not be hard to understand. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now we've seen the foretelling of him. We've seen the, the, uh, the prophetic telling that Jesus was coming. Now we see that God so loved the world, which means he loves you and I, that he gave us his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. So this loving God says that you are already condemned, saying you don't have to go there if you don't want to, saying if you believe in him, you won't perish but have everlasting life. Boy, that's got to be important somewhere, right? It's got to be important somewhere. Verse number 17 says, For God sent His Son, his, He sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world. Now this is also important to understand that He didn't come here to, uh, to condemn the world until you didn't have any options, but that the world through Him might be saved. The world that's already condemned. The world that's already going there. Why? Because sin was entered into the world. As we read back in Genesis, when David, uh, when Adam and Eve, sorry David if you're out there listening, as Adam and Eve... Uh, uh, took from the forbidden tree. They took from the, the tree of knowledge, the tree of life, whatever they wanted to call it. They took the apple. I don't see that in the Bible, but if you want to call an apple, okay. They went out there and they took something that they weren't supposed to. They disobeyed to God that they wasn't supposed to disobey. And there's a penalty for that sin <clears throat> in their life. Verse number 18 says, He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is what? Condemned already. See, God's not sending, not, God's not sending them there. God doesn't want anybody to go there. And the world doesn't get that. They think, well, I'm a pretty good person and a loving God wouldn't send me there. A loving God isn't sending me there. A loving God is telling you don't have to go there. Amen? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Well, we just read a minute ago that if you believe in him, you shall not perish. Well, if you don't believe in him, you're condemned already. And in this condemnation, the light that has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. See, men are naturally sinners. We're naturally drawn to it. We don't want to do what we're told. We don't even want to follow directions on a map. But Jesus gives us a way. Amen. For everyone that doeth Evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be approved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be manifest, that they are wrought in God. 
Being all about Jesus, knowing that Emmanuel is God with us, is about knowing and realizing that we're your sinners. We have to believe that. We have to accept that. That price for that, uh, for that sin is death. And it's going to be collected. It's either going to be collected by you or it's going to be collected by him. It's going to be paid. Amen? What do I mean by that payment? Well, look up here behind us. we got this cross. And you notice how that cross, unlike some religions, is empty? Some religions still have Jesus hanging on. Well, my Jesus was raised again. I don't know what these other religions are preaching, but my, my Jesus isn't on that cross anymore. He's on the right hand of God. Amen? Those that believe not are already condemned. You see, God isn't sending you there, but your unbelief is. Why do I need Jesus? Answer number two. Save my soul. Question number three, why do I need Jesus? One place that we can turn to that actually uh, predicts Christ's death is, is, chapter, uh, is Psalms chapter 22. We'll be studying that one here on Wednesdays, though, coming up in a, quite a few weeks because it's taken a while to get through it. But anyway, if you want to turn to Psalms chapter 22, I'm going to skip around uh, several verses rather than read the whole thing. But you need to see some of these, these predictions, these these approximately a thousand years before Christ ever came, but we'll be able to tie some of these verses with uh, with New Testament verses. Psalms chapter two, twenty-two, starting in verse number one. This is David here wrote this. He's a chief musician, or he's writing to the chief musician. He says, "My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me?" And the words of my mouth roaring. Now, I don't know about your Bible. Uh, mine has this convenient little reference point in here that says it's referring to uh, it's referring to Jesus. And we're going to tie some of these verses together here. Drop down to verse number seven. It says. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out their lip. They shake their heads, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he will deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Now, if we understand the crucifixion of Christ, we understand that when Jesus was nailed to the cross, he's hanging on the cross. They're mocking him. They're mocking our Lord and Savior and saying, look, if you're really the Son of God, save yourself. You, can, you say you can save all these other people, save yourself from the cross. So they're laughing at him. They're scorning him. They're mocking him. They try to give him vinegar uh, to drink. They're, they're making fun of him. Psalms 22 and 16 says, For dogs have compassed about me, or compassed about me. The assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. They nailed them to the cross. That I may tell all my bones, they look and stare upon me. They part my garments among me, and they cast lots among, uh, upon my vesture. See, they took his clothes, they ripped them apart, and they cast lots, and they divided them amongst. This is a foretelling of what's going to happen to Jesus when he's nailed to that cross. When he give his life for you and for me. This psalm that was written by David approximately a thousand years before Christ came and with uh, many references to act to the actual crucifixion of Christ. Well, why is this important? It's important for biblical accuracy. So when I first started, you said, I, I said to understand some of the truths about the Bible, to understand if the Bible is really true, it talks about the forecoming. It talks about the birth of Jesus. Well, if you believe in Jesus, you know that he was born. Amen. Bible told us that he was coming. He did. Bible told us that, uh, that we needed a Savior. Well, there is one. Bible told us that he was going to be crucified. And he was. 
Jesus cried out to me. Uh, I cried out and said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Turn over to Matthew. Now remember, we're going from Old Testament to New Testament. Go from Matthew, verse number 27. Or chapter 27, I'm sorry. We have to understand where we are at this point of, point of Scripture. This is the, uh, the crucifixion of Jesus. We're going to be in, uh, starting out here in verse number 46. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sambachthina, which is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? See, this ties back to the, uh, to the foretelling uh, that David's talking about. And they nailed him to the cross, piercing his hands and feet. They divided his clothes and cast lots for them. Uh, go up to uh, verse number 35 here. And they crucified him. They nailed him to this cross, right? They parted his garments, casting lots, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and my vesture did they cast lots. A thousand years earlier, David mentions this. So we think 2,000 years later, is Jesus really coming? Well, I'll tell you what, man. My Bible says he's coming. <laughs> my Bible says he's coming. This prophetic writing uh, David shows is evidence that though a thousand years later after the birth of Christ, the predictions of Christ to come to be the Savior of the world did and prophecy was fulfilled. Uh, Romans 5 and 8 says, But God commended his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, we'll start to get to closing. Why do we need Jesus? He's coming again. More importantly than how you are living now is how you will live life in eternity. We will see the foretelling. We've seen the foretelling of Jesus' birth that came true. We see the foretelling of Jesus' death that came true. We have no reason to not believe that he's not coming again. See, Scripture tells us that. Verse, or John 14 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Verse number 2 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be also. And whither I go, ye know, and, uh, and the way, ye know. And Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and, where, uh, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, he says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh the Father but by me. See, Jesus gives us a road map. He tells us how to get there. He tells us the why to get there. He tells us the why we need him. He tells us that what we're supposed to do now. Why do I need Jesus? Why do I need Jesus? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one, according to this book, according to God, according to Jesus himself, comes to the Father, but by him. There is no other way. So these folks that walk around and say, yep, me and Jesus is like this, man. I don't need to go to church. I don't... Man, they are fooling themselves. They're following that little liar, the devil, that said, go ahead and eat of this forbidden fruit. Surely you won't die. Scripture says, surely you will. 
If you've been saved for some times like I have and needed that boost in servitude, let this be a reminder that Jesus is the Lord and he has prepared that way for us. We are to be Christians, which means we are to be Christ-like. We are to walk better today than we did yesterday. And I want to leave you with one more here. Turn over to uh, John, or 1 John again. <clears throat> I hadn't planned on this one yesterday, but this morning I said, Woo, let me add this one in here. 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse number 12. And again, I think it's important when we think about that belief. You know, uh, there's plenty of scripture that says there's, there's evidence in things. We can see evidence in things. A lot of people have to see evidence in things, right? But belief is a believing in those things even that you haven't seen. Verse number 12 says, No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us, and his love is perfected in us. Hereby know we that we dwell in him, and he in us, because he hath given us his spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God dwelleth in him, and he in God. And we have known and believed that the love of God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God is him. Amen. Whew. That was a lot, huh? Why do we need Jesus? Man, we need him for so many reasons. Thank you all for being here. Brother Brian comes on up. If anybody's got something on their heart or something on their mind that altar's open, come and give it to him.